Coming up on This Week in Radio Tech, Shane Tovin is back along with Chris Tarr, and we're talking about what you don't learn in engineering school. And I realize that you probably haven't been to engineering school, but what you certainly wouldn't learn there. One of those things, remember to put on your own oxygen mask before helping others. What are we talking about? That's coming up next on Twort. This Week in Radio Tech is brought to you by Broadcaster's General Store with outstanding service, savings, and support online at bgs.cc. By Broadcast Bionics with the Bionic Studio, including talk show control, social media, and visual radio. Broadcast Bionics brings exceptional audience engagement to radio and TV. By Angry Audio. Audio problems disappear when you get angry at angryaudio.com. By Nautel, worry-free transmission you can count on with outstanding control, reliability, efficiencies, and Nautel's unmatched 24-7 customer support. Online at Nautel.com. And by MaxConnect Wireless, prioritized high-speed internet service designed for transmitter sites and remote broadcasts. Hey, welcome into This Week in Radio Tech. I'm Kirk Harnack, your host. Delighted that you're here, that you've made it, and uh, we're going to try to put together a really good show for you today. It's a little bit different show. we got a guest who's got some ideas that are really worth listening to. A couple of them are, are technical, but most of them are non-technical. In fact, we're calling today's show Things You Didn't Learn in Engineering School. Now, chances are, if you're like me, you didn't go to official engineering school because it's not really offered anywhere or not much. Uh, maybe you have an allied degree or allied experience or just lots of on-the-job experience. But Shane Toven, our guest, is going to have some uh, some really good advice on making your job uh, and your home life and your personal life better and making those things all work together. And it's really good advice. So we're going to be, and Chris Tarr is going to join us too. He had to step out for a second. I'm Kirk Harnack. I'm in the Telos Alliance studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Plenty of Telos gear all around me here. And th- uh, this is where I work all day and talk to customers and uh, and and help people, you know, implement Telos Alliance uh, gear and, and uh, uh, systems. So that's what I'm doing here. It is a t- Typical February day. We actually had some sunshine today, but we're going to get some rain and maybe some snow tomorrow. Uh, that's my weather report. Let's jump in and see who's here. Uh, Shane Toven is here. And Shane, you are coming to us from, what, somewhere in Northern California, aren't you? <laughs> yes, north of Sacramento. And I don't know why I have suddenly turned into potato cam here again. Um, man, we did this test yesterday. The show, uh, it, it uh, tested great, but uh, we're fine on the bench, right? Yeah, it worked fine. Yeah, it worked fine in demo, worked fine in rehearsal, but not here. Well, the the good news is the things that you have to tell us today uh, don't require a lot of bandwidth. They just require a little bit of thinking. So we're going to put our thinking caps on and uh, kind of also put our hearts on our sleeve and, and understand a little bit more about ourselves as people, as workers, as people who interact with other people, which, by the way, that's one reason why engineers get into engineering. So maybe they don't have to interact with people quite as much, but but we still do from time to time. Uh, Chris Tarr it was here. He had to slip out, uh, but he'll be uh, hopefully rejoining us shortly. He he had a, a little emergency to to handle. Uh, Shane Tobin, um, geez, tell us a little bit about yourself. At the moment, I think you are between jobs. A lot of folks have known you as an engineer for EMF, Educational Media Foundation, otherwise known as K-Love and Air One. They've also known you as an engineer in the public radio sector. And I don't know, maybe I met you many years ago when you may have worked at at Clear Channel. Am am I misremembering that? 
Well, Kirk, you and I have known each other for many, many years. Uh, I don't even remember where we first met, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I went from uh, Minnesota to Michigan to Wyoming and now here to California. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I uh, actually am in the uh, midst of transition right now. And I expect to be at some point in the near future announcing my uh, my next great opportunity. So, well, I understand you got something lined up, but it's not public yet. Uh, I, I w- w- you and I were talking yesterday, and you know it's interesting w- the the uh, group of engineers that tend to know each other, maybe on Facebook or as SBE chapter members, as SBE members, maybe as SIMPTI members or AES members, things like that. We a lot of us know each other, or through one of the the forums. Um, uh, so. It turns out that you uh, know, maybe are friends with one of our recent guests, and that's Tom Morris. Yes, in fact. <laughs> so, you, you know, Tom is an interesting guy, and I love talking to Tom because he has so many great ideas, uh, and, and and but they come packaged in a really interesting person. And that's, that's part of what I've learned o- over the years is, hey, deal with people as they are. Everybody has something to contribute, and uh, Tom Morris has turned out to be one of my favorite people. Exactly. In fact, he works here in the Sacramento area, and uh, yeah, I've had him over to my house a couple of times, and he's met my big, uh, my big goofball mutt, and uh, <laughs> a good time was had by all. So, really awesome. Yeah. Hey, uh, tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna jump into this in, in a minute. Uh, things that they didn't teach in engineering school. That's a rather provocative title, and uh, I'll tell you, Shane and Chris Tarr and I got together yesterday to do a little pre-show planning. We ended up talking for almost an hour. <laughs> this was a really interesting subject, so that's why I want you to hang on. Hey, our show is brought to you in part by Nautel, and we got a real quick uh, video highlight here to show you from Nautel. Let's check it out. Today, every device that can be talked to is talked to, and we basically meet with uh, manufacturers now and say, if it doesn't speak SNMP and it's in the air chain, you know, we, we really can't even look at it. And that we kind of take a hard stance on that because of our size and the, the, the need to not be dispatching engineers to be, you know, trying to find out if it's just something needs to be reset. You know, the, the cost involved in that is astronomical. In fact, uh, Nautel's uh, got so many amazing uh, readings that you can get through SNMP. The MIB is just phenomenal. And so if we want to go crazy, we'll have we'll have the entire thing set up in the Relio to monitor every fan, every module, every temperature. That's a quick video clip from a Transmission Talk Tuesday uh, episode. And they're on hiatus right now until we kind of get back into the swing of things in 2024. But Transmission Talk Tuesdays are all archived on the Nautel.com website. And that means you can go back if you want to find out about SNMP technology. And hey, Chris Tarr can tell you all about it, too. He's really implemented that technology. And and maybe you should, too. Maybe it's something that you need to learn about and implement yourself. And Nautel transmitters, as well as so many other devices are ripe and ready with SNMP, and you can monitor so many more things than you can with you know hard wiring, plate voltage and plate current and output power and reflected power and things like that. Uh, SNMP gives you a, a whole lot of options, and you just got to learn how to plug a few things together and do some typing and then set up some triggers and things like that. So uh, Nautel, uh, go check out their webinars, their archive of webinars and Transmission Talk Tuesdays, like that clip just was at nautel.com uh, slash webinars, and then you can check out all of their uh, all the stuff they have archived there. Thanks a lot, Nautel, for sponsoring this week in Radio Tech. 
All right. I'm Kirk Harnack. Let's get into it with Shane Tovin. Shane, um, we hear this phrase, work-life balance, and I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of a tired phrase. Uh, Maybe you can either jazz it up a little bit or talk about this as it applies to us as engineers. Now, I'm a pretty affable engineer. Uh, you know, I, I do get along with people pretty well, which is why I'm in the in the sales arena uh, at my employer, Telos Alliance. But plenty of engineers are uh, just by nature are not not quite so interactive with other people. Maybe you can uh, kind of open our topic by telling us about um, engineers and and maybe some of the bad habits we tend to get into that ends up causing us uh, some difficulty in, in our careers. Shane. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> you mentioned uh, you know yesterday our uh, our sh- our uh, kind of run through. Man, I wish we had, I wish we'd recorded that. That was the show right there, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, work life balance it's a it's a big thing, and it's something that a lot of engineers struggle with. Um, when I I mean, I don't really know of a better way to put it. I mean, we talk about work life balance. You talk about actually having a real life. I mean, yeah, some people, including myself, you know, it's all about, uh, it's all about getting the state, keeping the stations on the air, hustle, 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 you know, get it done, get it done. Well, at some point you've got to stop and breathe. Uh, otherwise you're going to just, you're going to hit a wall and you're going to collapse. Uh, even the best engineer at some point will reach their limit and you've got to come up with ways to kind of, uh, kind of a recognize that that's about to happen and B ways of dealing with it. Uh, when you do recognize that that's about to happen and you yeah, I recognize that in some environments that's probably easier than others. I mean, if you're a one guy, if you're a one man shop, you know, um, you're it. If something breaks and you don't fix it, well, it stays broke. Um, but even in those environments, there are still ways that you can just step back, you know, and and breathe. Um, I'll tell you, I, I've never been so happy as as when I realized that, um, or when I came, you know, when I decided that, you know. I wasn't going to be making emergency transmitter runs in the middle of the night anymore. And I had my, I had management sign off on this. They wanted me to come back fresh in the morning, think about it and, uh, and understand, you know, kind of really get a good picture grip of the problem. They didn't want me, you know, going off half baked in the middle of the night, uh, possibly hurting myself either on the road or at the site. They wanted me to really be fresh and, and have a, you know, and uh, have a good perspective on things and get a, get a good picture on things. So that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about when I talk about work-life balance, uh, not to mention, you know, family, your your marriage, your kids, uh, things like that. It, it all comes into play. Um, you know, to 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 make it a really clear example, I think a lot of engineers, including myself, I think everybody has what I'm about to describe in them a, a little bit. Remember the original movie Jurassic Park. <laughs> and the the IT guy, yeah. uh, Dennis Nidri, turns out yeah. that was his name. And I only knew that because I looked it up. But we all know what the guy looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know what uh, he had this. He turned out to be kind of an evil guy. But uh, I mean, not that we're evil. I don't think we are typically. But but we we do have a need to be needed. A lot yes. of engineers, uh, our adrenaline is fired up when yep. we're needed. And uh, sometimes I'm, we probably get in the habit of n- not fixing things or not setting things up so that anybody else with uh, with some experience could handle them, but right. that only we could handle them. And we tend to, and that's one thing about, you know, we always talk about document, 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 and that's somewhat for us, but it's also for others. I mean, what if you get hit by a bus? Uh, we're, none of us are planning on that, but what if you behave as if you were never going hit, to get hit by a bus, and some of that for selfish reasons, that they had to call you? And certainly you have 
I have, Chris Tarr has, we've run across engineering situations where somebody had fixed it so that only that person knew how to deal with it, knew how to, they, like they kept secrets so they would be needed. And well, that can result in you being overneeded. Right. Well, and in some cases, it's not intentional. A lot of times, you know, engineers will do that without even realizing that that's what they're doing. Yes. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there are those cases where, where somebody, you know, wants, they, they want the keys to the secret sauce, so to speak, you know, but, uh, uh, that's not healthy. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for, you know, for those that you're, you're working for. And, and honestly, it doesn't, it really serves no good purpose, uh, you know, not to share. I've, I've always kind of been a classic oversharer for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. Now, not that I've always been the greatest at documenting some of the systems that I've done, but I try to at least leave breadcrumbs and uh, make myself available if somebody does come across a system that I've done, you know, that I've been involved with and go, hey, how did you do this? And if I can remember, I'll absolutely tell them. <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking to Shane Toven about uh, a work-life balance, and, and we're going to go deeper into a lot of these things. In fact, some of the things that we're going to touch on are uh, main, taking care of your physical and mental health, and, and that's kind of where we're leading into right now. We have some strong and, and specific ideas about that. Um, we're going to, uh, after the next break, we're going to hit this topic of sometimes it's okay to let things fail. And that's intriguing. I'm only giving the, I'm just previewing what's coming up here. Um, also, um, know your value. And if you're, t if you're taking care of the basic things, you're valuable and you may be more valuable than you give yourself credit for. So we're going to help you uh, identify about your value and be being able to express that value in a way that doesn't sound braggadocious. Right. Um, and then uh, we're going to talk about one of the bad things that that some of some engineers do, and that is uh, some engineers would rather be right then be helpful. And I hope that Chris Tarr gets back in on that because he had some uh, real good ideas. And then we're finally going to talk about being able to give grace to others, to, to um, you know, put up with people that do not have your expertise, do not have anything like your way of looking at a problem. They have their own way of looking at a problem. And it's probably wrong, but it's their way of looking at it. And so it's up to us to be the interpreter of that. So all that's coming up. Let's get back, though, to this uh, physical and mental health, taking care of, of yourself first. Um, Shane, why is that so important to take care of yourself, number one? Well, there's a saying in, uh, you know, you, you go on an, if you take a flight, uh, you always hear the uh, the airline announcement that says, put on your oxygen mask before assisting others. Well, there's a reason why they tell you to do that. Uh, and you're no good to anybody else if you yourself are, are burned out and if you're, you know, just uh, out of energy and just can't, just, you just can't. Okay. And let's face it, we all have days where we just can't, right? Uh <laughs> And uh, so it's important to really take care of yourself first. Uh, and I mean, of course, in a lot of cases, that means your physical health, um, you know, whether that be working out regularly, whether that be taking some time to just, uh, you know, again, back to work-life balance, some time to just sit back and relax, do something that you enjoy as a hobby. Uh, you know, some of us do have hobbies that aren't technical. I'm still trying to find those, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other side of this is uh, is the whole mental health piece. And uh, that's a big one. And it's one that a lot of people don't discuss and don't, you know, don't want to discuss. There's this big stigma around it, uh, especially when it comes to things like depression, anxiety, and various other things. And, uh, you know, engineers are human. This is a, this is a human thing. This isn't, uh, you know, it isn't any weakness or anything. Anybody who knows me knows that I have always been pretty open about this and, you know, my own struggles with this in the past. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely something that you need to pay attention to. I mean, you know, 
you know, Shane, now that I'm back. Uh, hi, Chris. <laughs> well, hey, Chris. Hi hey, Chris. Welcome back. Hey there. Thank you. I, I remember we were just talking about UPSs before the show. That was uh, that was Dave. We're going to order 10 of them, of the those UPSs. Um, uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, you know, going back to what Shane was talking about with mental health, you know, there always used to be a stigma. But, you know, I, too, have been pretty open about it. I'm bipolar. Uh, I didn't realize it till. You know, a few years ago, I went into therapy for it and it explained a lot of, you know, how my, my moods would change and, you know, I'd be really in a great mood once and then in a horrible mood the next. And, you know, a lot of times guys don't, you know, don't want to accept that they need that kind of help. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> it's one of the best things I've ever done. I wish I would have done it earlier. Um, I'm on medication and, uh, you know, my, my whole demeanor has got I, I've gotten better at my job because I haven't you know I haven't let the stress beat me up and and you know we all those days that you know you feel overwhelmed and um you know instead of reacting poorly to being overwhelmed I can now deal with it so uh, you know it is it's it's really important to um you know not to be superman and put the the weight of the world on your shoulders and understand when things aren't going well and and that maybe you need some help and uh, you know it, it 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 takes a very strong person to be able to say hey you know what I, I can't do this myself you know i need some help so i encourage everybody you know that you know that you know if you're feeling if you're feeling off you know get checked just just go talk to somebody and you know even if it's you know, even if there's no medication involved, just the process of talking it out can be a big help. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll share something uh, that about my own uh, mental health journey. And, and luckily I don't seem to have suffered from much of that, but there was a little time in my life and it had to do with a romantic situation where I got, I just got pretty depressed and down on myself. And I had actually uh, been through a couple of professionals to, to talk with about this and I didn't feel like they did me any good. I really didn't. And they were top dollar professional. Uh, one was a psychologist and one was actually a psychiatrist. And I, I didn't feel like I had any good. Well, I, I uh, went along a couple more years and, and uh, still felt bad about some things in, in my life and uh, ended up uh, being re in a small town being recommended to somebody who was just uh, kind of, he was kind of a, a lay minister at a church. And I didn't go to the church. I, I didn't know this guy, an older gentleman. And I went and talked to him. And after the first time I talked to him, I, I felt like, man, I, th I think things are clearing up in my head. Ended up talking to him four times. And over, and after the fourth time, I, I thought, dude, I am so much better. I just have a much clearer view of myself as I relate to other people, uh, as I had a relationship with a couple different different women who that didn't work out well. And so, man, I just felt so much better about myself. So my point there is just because you went to one person or even two uh, or even three or 10 doesn't mean you saw people who could uh, or talked to people who could help you. And maybe the person who can help you is the is the dude next door, you know, or maybe it's somebody at your church or civic club or another, you know, dad in, in the Boy Scouts. It, it could, that person could come from anywhere, but it does need to be like a real connection, somebody that, that understands you. James, I think a, you're about to say That's a great point, Kirk. Uh, yeah. I mean, everybody's got to have somebody that they can talk to, whoever that is. Find your somebody. Okay. Uh, I, there's this saying about having a 2 a.m. friend, the kind of person that you can call at 2 a.m. regardless. Uh, you know, if you're really in a bad spot and you know that you can count on them and 
that they will answer. Uh, I mean, everybody needs that. I mean, whether it's a personal, you know, a personal friend like that, whether it's a, you know, a professional and, uh, and yeah, if you do have a, prof- if you have seen a professional and you just didn't connect, well, find another one. I mean, it's like going to one doctor and saying, Oh, I hate that doctor. Therefore all doctors suck, you know? <laughs> So, well, and, and remember too, it's it's not a sprint; it's a marathon. And I still, absolutely. after so many years, I still go through you know to what I call maintenance, uh, you know, to to go over things. And you know, I find it just <clears throat> just great to be able to, um, you know, to kind of go over just what's what's going on and and maybe some some helpful mechanisms to to navigate. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think the journey will ever be over. Um, and, you know, if you, you run into that danger, especially now with the medication where you go, ah, I feel great. I don't need this anymore. And, right. you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to fall into that trap. Even if I feel good, I'll, I'll still go in, you know, once a month and just talk and 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 just what's going on. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've learned some great, you know, skills on how to deal with people who drive me crazy, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. And I really do. I think it, it's turned my view around. Uh, quite a bit. And, and, you know, I, I, I've mentioned it on Facebook and other places. I'm not embarrassed by it. And, and I think that, you know, more people, uh, you know, who, who may feel like they've, you know, they need it should get help, should seek it out. And, and as you said, keep trying until you find somebody you're comfortable with. Don't give up. And it's important to know a when you're not feeling okay, and and recognize that, and b know what your normal is, because that normal is going to look different for everybody. But you know, it's it's not normal to to just constantly feel like you you know just run down, just drained, or just or to be going back and forth and back and forth. I mean that that's that's not healthy. So find that normal. Find that you know find that person that you can you know that you can talk to. Find those resources. And I, and I think yeah. in our business, it's it's easy to to fall into those traps because, you know, we run at 100 miles an hour every day and we deal with crises on a regular basis. So it's really easy to not take care of ourselves because we're so busy trying to keep things on the air and, and keep things working that, you know, we eat poorly and we don't exercise. And, you know, none of that is is conducive to a you know healthy mind either. So, um, you know, you tend to internalize things and um, because you have to be cool under pressure, well, that kind of you know, extends into your personal life as well, where, you know, you, one of my big things drove, you know, was driving my wife nuts is I always try to fix things. You know, she has a problem. (laughs) I want to fix it. Well, she doesn't need me to fix it, but that's just my personality because that's what I do. I fix problems. So you have to, you know, you have to kind of get into that, you know, Do you want me to fix it or do you want me to listen? Yes, right, I was just right. going to say, I had to learn that, that you know, I had to learn this. Something that guys need to learn, you know, because we want to fix things. And it's like as soon as, you know, my wife would tell me something about, you know, th- this is wrong. I'm thinking about, well, hey, honey, we, we, we can fix this. Absolutely. We can fix it. Here's how we're going to fix it. And she, no, I, no, just, just listen to me. Yeah, right. I did the, I did the same thing. And, you know, so, and not only that, but, you know, I, I needed to, you know, really with purpose, live a life outside of work because I didn't, I mean, work was my life Mm. and Uh I'm very lucky now I I work with a, a, you know, an owner who, you know, this is very important to him that I take time off and that I, um, 
you know, take care of what's going on at home. A great example was last week. Um, we had two kind of really major projects during the week. And, you know, he understands it with some of these projects like these that take a lot of brain work and, and, you know, we were working, you know, 10 hours and, you know, I, I get worn out and he's like, you're off tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I didn't even ask him. He's just like, you know, sleep in, get some rest, you know, you, you know, just take a day to recover. Um, and he won't call me. He'll just, you know, I'll take that day and just kind of relax a little bit, but it's important to him because he doesn't want to wear me out and, and, you know, uh, stress me out and those sorts of things. So, you know, it's, it's that whole work life balance. Yeah, that's, that'd be an interesting topic, uh, a subtopic for a show, how to train your boss. Cause apparently your boss is good at this anyway, Chris, but how to train your boss to recognize when you need a break. And I got to say, yeah. working at Telus Alliance, I've been so blessed to have fantastic bosses. I hope they're listening. Fantastic bosses that have recognized when Kirk, you know what? You look a little uh, overstressed right now. Why don't you? Why don't you just uh, whittle your project down to this one? Call me at the end of the week, and and we'll we'll regroup and look at your task list. And I've been so blessed to have that. And that's man. And if you're your own boss, if you're your own contract engineer, wow, that can be really hard hard to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're like I said, we have this personality where we would just want to hustle, 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 and that's true, especially if you're in business for yourself. But even if you're in business for yourself, you've got to recognize when it's time to to slow down, just pump the brakes a little bit, and, and that's okay. You know, uh, the opportunities will be there, <laughs> even if you take a moment to to breathe, slow down, pump the brakes. All right. We are talking to Chris Tarr and Shane Toven. Shane's our guest. We're talking about work-life balance, but more than that, exactly how it relates to us as engineers and our propensity to want to be able to, to fix things, make things better. Not at oftentimes we don't ask for help when we could and should, because we think we should know everything or be able to discover th things all on our own. Uh, we'll continue with this. And uh, in, in fact, I, I want to uh, tease just a little bit. Chris mentioned a UPS and now his boss says they're going to buy 10 of them. What's he buying? Chris and I were uh, talking about this before the show. And I think, I think Chris has found a UPS that is worth your consideration and it's not a not a commercial for it but during the tip of the week show uh part of the show at the end of the show uh, stay tuned because I, maybe chris will tell us what he found that works well i know we've all been we were talking about uh ups has seemed to cause us more failures than transmitters and and uh, computers and cart machines if you're still using those our show is brought to you in part by uh broadcast bionics and the broadcast bionics virtual rack suncast is going to bring up uh, the website for virtual rack and i gotta tell you i was uh, chatting with um, a customer and with one of our uh, support guys today about this whole technology of virtualization of broadcast e broadcast functionality right uh so at at one of my stations we're using a virtualized audio console the uh the axia altus we're using a virtualized phone system, the Telos VXS, and they're both running on the same computer at the transmitter site. And we wrote, we remote control them, and they work great. You can also uh, put an audio processor into um, a, a, a virtualized environment. There's different ways to do that. And there's other things, too, uh, including not only from Telos Alliance, but from Sound 4. 
And from 2WCOM, there's audio processing and codecs from those companies that are now getting into the world of virtualization. Now, I got to tell you, it, this is not necessarily an easy technology to figure out on your own. And here's where Broadcast Bionics comes in. They're like your counselor for virtualization. They have made it easy by creating a product called Virtual Rack. Virtual Rack is on the Broadcast Bionics website. You can read about it there. There's some videos at the bottom of this webpage, and you can see uh, and listen to Dan McQuillan uh, talk about and demo this. There's also a episode of Twert from back last summer where Dan spent an hour with us demonstrating how Virtual Rack works. Uh, Docker virtualization can be pretty com complicated, especially when you mix in audio over IP, multicast uh, packets and networks, and you've got to do things like implement uh, Mac VLAN, maybe even two different Mac VLANs. And what's that? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to explain it here, but it, it, it it's not easy to implement. But Broadcast Bionics has made it easy. You get the virtual rack product from them. It's a hardware, it's a computer, it's a server, and it's got their software in it that makes this easy. It acts like an app store for virtualized broadcast infrastructure. You pick out the apps that you want to run, and it won't let you overpick. It won't let you try to run more than that machine will handle. And they've got two different sizes, so maybe one that's right-sized for you. You pick the apps you want, you click install, it downloads the latest version, installs it, and then it's ready to go. You give it some IP addresses and things like that, and it's, it's ready to work. You still, of course, have to license that product through its manufacturer. So whether that's Telus Alliance or Sound4 or 2WCOM, you would license that product separate, you know, from buying the uh, the virtual rack product, and, uh, and and away you go. You could have a phone system, an audio processor, codecs, uh, an audio console, things like that, uh, virtualized for you. And there's more coming down the pike. In fact, it, I don't know if I can tell you about them now, but you'll see more products from Telos Alliance at NAB in April, and uh, probably from other manufacturers as well. So check out Virtual Rack, available in two different sizes. Uh, deploy, failover, applications, all that is available in Virtual Rack from Broadcast Bionics. Check them out at bionics.co.uk or bionic.radio. Thanks a lot. Broadcast Bionics for sponsoring This Week in Radio Tech and making our jobs as engineers even easier. All right, we're here with Shane Tovin. Chris Tarr is along. We're talking about keeping your mental health. Um, we're going to move into this uh, idea that, you know, engineers never want anything to fail. Uh, you know, unless you're trying to maybe prove your job security, uh, that only you can fix it, right? Sometimes it may be okay to let something fail. Uh, Shane, I'm not sure I understand that. That that kind of goes goes against every engineering bristle in, in my in, in my body here. So what? Yeah, it does for a lot of engineers, quite frankly. Uh, so I mean, there are times when we I wrote an article on this a while back about don't play the hero, right? Um, and we as engineers, uh, you're talking about earlier, we want to be needed. You know, we need to be needed, and we oftentimes want to play the hero. We want to put on that cape. We want to go and uh, you know dash to the transmitter site, get the thing back on the air. You know, uh, fix whatever it you know fix whatever it is as quickly as possible, and just move on to the next thing. Well, sometimes it is okay, in fact, to let things fail. And I know that goes counter to everything as an engineer that uh, that we normally would believe. But um, think about, uh, I mean, if you have been fixing the same thing over and over and over and have tried to advise the management or whoever's responsible for, you know, making sure that that thing or giving you the resources to make sure that that thing doesn't fail over and over and over. And they've, you know, said, well, I'm sorry, you know, 
uh, and and you've documented that at some point you know you're just not you really probably should should not be <laughs> continuing to enable that um I mean, there's, there comes a time when, yes, things need to be replaced, including transmitters. Uh, I mean, is it really wise to keep putting Band-Aids on that 40-year-old transmitter when when they, the, the ownership would probably be better served by a new solid-state transmitter that's going to be more reliable, be more efficient, and uh, you know, cost them a lot less money to operate? So that that's the kind of stuff that I mean, basically, in terms of sometimes it's okay to let things fail. You know, it's it's interesting. I had uh, an issue a long time ago in, uh, in, in up in Baraboo at our big station up there when I was with Intercom. And uh, a contract engineer friend of mine, Rich Wood, the Madison Rich Wood, uh, was helping me out. And, and he's a great guy. He's retired now. But we had this old, uh, oh, what was it? Um, I can picture it in my head, but anyway, uh, it, it, you know, trans AEL, it's an old AEL, uh, and, and it stopped working. And the, the, the backstory was we had burned out this continental 816 that I was in the process of rebuilding. In the meantime, our backup was this old AEL and it failed. So trying to kind of divide up time here, uh, my, uh, engineer at the time, Tony was working on the Continental, and then Rich and I were working on the AAL to try to get it going. And you know, we were replacing parts and parts and parts. And finally, Rich looks at me and he says, you know, between the two of us, we could probably get this working again, but do we really want to? And, and that was that was great advice, because basically what he was saying is, maybe it's time to, you know, call the corporate people and, and, and just say this this can't be fixed. We're done. And we, you know, we need to do something else. And, and he was right. You know, we could have fixed it, but uh, good money after bad. And there comes a point where you just have to kind of go, you know what, you know, we're done trying to get this thing to work because it's, you know, it was older than me. Uh, so you're right. I mean, sometimes, you know, you have to let these things just go and, and, you know, yeah, I would have been a hero to my boss if I made it work and, you know, but, at what cost? And you kind of get to that point where it's like, okay, uh, I'm done with this. And I learned fairly quickly that sometimes it has to be an emergency for something to get done. So, mm -hmm. you know, I could be banging the drum for, you know, years that this thing is going to fail and we're going to have a problem. And, you know, so at some point I just let it fail. You know, I stop fixing it, go, well, it's an emergency now, you know, this doesn't work. And, you know, every time I've, I've gotten what I needed. So, you know, Shane's right. We want to be the hero and we want to look like we can make anything work, but there gets to a point where, you know, I use Rich's words, we can fix it, but do we want to, and should we? And, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to think about. A lot like a, a car, uh, that a, a car may get to be so old and and repairs so expensive that it's just it's not worth fixing anymore. It may be nostalgic. It may have a lot of value to you, and of course your pride as an engineer and being able to to fix something that maybe somebody else couldn't. Maybe wow, look 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 what Chris Tar did for us. He fixed this old thing. Chris, you know, hats off to you. But uh, really, your your job is to help management make the right decision. Is this worth? continuing to figure and what's your opportunity cost you know what are you not doing while you're spending so much time fixing something that should have been replaced a long time ago shane i think you're about to say something right no i absolutely agree i'm sorry my camera and my bandwidth has gone down to potato can quality again so some cast you might want to 
<laughs> switch away from me for a bit until uh, it comes back. But um, no, this is it's it's absolutely right. I mean, if uh, I mean, you have to ask the question: Can we? Yes, maybe, but should we? So, yeah, yeah, and I, Chris, I, you know, yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, I was going to say, uh, you know, then it gets back to, um, you know, I, I don't personally, and, and this is also a matter of maturing and, you know, talking and therapy and everything. I really don't need people to validate what I do. So, you know, I don't look for people to go, hey, he got that AEL working. Great job. It doesn't matter. You know, it just doesn't. I don't need that. Um, you know, I need this stuff to, uh, you know, to, to work well so we can all have a life. And none of us want to have our life waiting for the phone to ring. So, you know, I, I could make the AL work, but it's going to make my phone ring some night. And I don't want that anymore. Uh, you know, exactly. so we're going to we're going to replace it. Exactly. Um, something else to remember, uh, most of us broadcast engineers are not the owners of the radio station. I'm part owner of some stations, but I'm not the guy who controls the checkbook. That's that's my business partner. Uh, at Telos Alliance, sometimes I have an idea that I think Telos Alliance should do, but it's it's not my company. It's not my money. It's not me who has to make the 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 uh, the, the books balance at the end of the year, right? So. We need to think of ourselves as engineers. Typically, we're in a situation as like a cabinet member in the presidential administration, whoever that may be, that you may give advice, you may document that advice, you may give some very good reasons for your advice, but ultimately, it's not your decision because you're not the one that has to write the check and makes, make the books balance. However, we all as engineers have a you know responsibility uh, to our, our broadcast employers uh, to provide the best information that we possibly can and uh, mixed with with our own opinion of what, of what you know should be done and and what the what the uh, um, results might be if 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 they don't follow our advice. Oh yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And, and document, document, document. Yeah, and you know we were just talking about it. And I'll you know at the end here, I'll tell you the UPSs we're getting. But this UPS story is a great example of that. Where mm. I was just talking to to Dave and saying, you know, we could. I was looking up UPSs that were less expensive and, you know, maybe be of marginally better quality. And then I had, you know, the really nice ones. And, you know, I, I expected maybe we'd buy one nice one or whatever. And we were talking and he said, no, you know what? We're, we're done with chasing these. You know, it's we're buying batteries. We're, you know, when they, you know, they don't fail safe all the time. We're done. You know, tell me what the, you know, tell me what you're using or that we can get that, you know, I don't, obviously we don't want to foolishly spend money, but obviously we need to spend money to get something that is going to work for us. So tell me what that is. And so I found one and you know, they're pricey, $800 or so. And he said, great, uh, where do we need them? And I said, well, look at all of our transmitter sites. And, you know, if you want to stagger them or, you know, whatever, he's like, so that's 10 we need. Let's buy them. We're just going to do it and deploy them and, and, and we'll be able to sleep at night and we'll just call it good. And, and that's where, you know, I could have said, no, this is really the way we need to go with the cheaper ones, thinking that being the hero for saving money. And on the other hand, Dave's like, I mean, saving money is great. He would love to save money. And, you know, we always talk through these things, but he's like on situations like this, where, you know, if we're off the air for two or three hours, you know, we've paid for that, um, you know, because like today, you know, our one of our biggest stations was off for 90 minutes. Well, I 
drove up there and got everything fixed. So he's like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to do that anymore. And if it means spending more money to get the right gear in there, let's do that. I'm tired of just doing it cheap because we can do it cheap. So we've had that talk where he's like, don't just give me the, the cheap answer because, you know, you think you're going to do me a favor by saving money because we may not be. He's let me worry about that. <laughs> you know, tell me what you think we need to do. Sell me on it. Tell me why. And, you know, I explained to him with these that, you know, we get email alerts and all this, these things we can monitor. He said, you know what? That's perfect. That's exactly what we need. Sold. And let's, let's get a bunch of them. So, you know, that also uh, is our responsibility as engineers is to be straight. And, and, you know, everybody wants to be, hey, we can fix it for a hundred bucks. Look at this and I'll build this box. And, you know, we all know those engineers who would rather homebrew these things. And, uh, but, you know, the reality is station owners don't really want that. They think they do. But then when you explain the benefits of doing it the right way, nine times out of 10, they're going to find the money to do it. <laughs> Based upon my uh, real-world experience in foreign countries, I can see now a little movie clip where Chris Tarr is playing the part of the director of engineering of the Chinese uh, multi-radio station group, and uh, the UPS salesman comes in the door, and Chris says, your UPS have uh, SNMP? And the guy says, uh, yeah. no, says, you leave now. <laughs> right. right. You I don't now. even need SNMP. I don't even need SNMP on this one because it does emails and all kinds of stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's great. <laughs> You know, it, it might be, I don't know, it might be difficulties in, in doing it. We bought, uh, my group, Delta Radio and, and the other affiliate groups, we bought a few UPSs that we thought we liked. They had a sophisticated front panel. It was really cool, and you could program some stuff, and we thought we liked them. Um, but, and they were they came with a rack mount kit, too, and and... But it turns out they have a, a a real Achilles heel. If the batteries run all the way down, which is likely to happen in a you know power failure that's more than thirty minutes or so, and at a couple sites we don't have generators yet. Um, batteries run all the way down. Power comes back on. No power. The UPS doesn't do anything. It's dead until you go push the button on it, and you, you there's no way to push it remotely. You can't program it to come back on. I went and did it. Once this happened once, I did a Google search. I found a Reddit thread, people complaining about this. I thought, wow, I wish I'd seen this Reddit thread before uh, I, you know, we, we bought several of these UPSs, and, uh, you know, we're not buying that UPS again. Uh, so, anyway, I, I'm well, excited to hear it. Fortunately, the one the ones we're going to talk about here. I bought my first one and the only one we have, I bought it more than three years ago for a site that's really far away, the Minnesota site. Um, and uh, just because I didn't want to do a cheap one there and we've had zero issues with it. So I'm really confident going into this that we were buying the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, we got to take a quick break. Shane Tovin is with us and uh, Chris Tarr is with us. We're talking about uh, mostly mental health and occasional UPSs <laughs> this week in Radio Tech. Coming up next, uh, we're going to be talking about knowing your value. How do you put a value on your value? How do you make sure that you understand and believe in your value? That's coming up. Also, uh, some engineers would rather uh, be right than be helpful. We're going to look for some correction there. Our show is brought to you in part by Angry Audio and Chris Tarr. Don't get up and leave yet because I know you have another favorite Angry Audio product that you feel is on your heart to tell us about. So if you don't mind, <laughs> tell us what's on well, your no, mind. Well, I'm going to sit back down because I was walking away. No. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the things I want to talk about today because it actually, again, you know, 
came up in a conversation. And, and that's what I love about angry audio products is they solve so many day-to-day problems. And, you know, we were just talking about things that people kind of cobble together and, you know, hopefully they work for a while. Um, these are tried and tested uh, uh, combinations of gear that, you know, are really, really well designed and solve everyday problems. Now, the box I'm talking about is the USB audio gizmo. Now, you know, we've always dealt with over the years, you know, CPU noise, all kinds of interference coming out of standard sound cards into um, your gear. Even with things like matchboxes and stuff like that, that noise can still get through and it can be a real problem. Uh, in fact, that's what we were talking about earlier today where somebody was saying, yeah, I have, uh, they were at an AM site and they had a, a streaming computer and they're like, yeah, I keep hearing this buzzing noise. Um you know, on the transmitter. And I said, well, did you wrap, you know, wrap it around a toroid? And so he did. And it, you know, it, it tamed it quite a bit. And I said, mm. well, what we need to do is pick up a, a USB audio gizmo and it's, it will completely isolate that and get rid of the problem for you. So that's one of those things you plug it into the USB uh, jack of your computer. It turns into a sound card, looks like a sound card. It has also the, um, uh, the, the jacks in the back for studio hub. And as you can see, they're really simple in and out. And uh, it eliminates all of the hum. It eliminates all the buzz and the noise. You get a really nice, clean, clean input and output and it's built by angry audio so you know it's built like a tank if you look at that metal casing and it's got the ability to mount uh the box like underneath a countertop or a cabinet get it out of the way all of those things you would expect from angry audio so uh yeah it's fantastic uh you know it solves a lot of problems just like everything else at angry audio they're designed to make our job much easier with these gadgets and gizmos so check it out today uh, go to angryaudio.com, talk to your favorite broadcast supply warehouse, and uh, get some more information on Angry Audio. When these problems rise up and they get in your face, don't get frustrated. Don't get sad. Get angry. Angry Audio. You know, uh, when you mentioned that it has Studio Hub connectors on it, the first thought in my head, yeah, that's where they get you. So you buy the USB uh, uh, analog gizmo, and then you got to buy the adapter cables too. That's where they get you for that extra money. If, but no, if you don't have, if you don't have Studio Hub connectors, I can't help you. Well, it, it turns a, out they're included uh, in yeah, the box. Well, that, that's yeah. true. That's so, true. No, you don't. You don't have to buy them extra. Um, so yeah, yeah, I've used, uh, that, that's that, the USB, uh, audio gizmo now twice and solved ground, uh, problems that I didn't even realize were ground, ground problems, but yeah, took that problem right away. Clean, clean audio. Hey, our show is also brought to you by Max Connect and this product from Max Connect that actually is manufactured by Angry Audio. They got some kind of deal going on there, you know might be suspicious about that. Uh, Max connects U.192. What is it? Well, it's kind of like a USB sound card, kind of like the analog audio gizmo, but it's meant for a specific purpose for our industry that nobody else makes. Now, I know you can find occasionally uh, a sound card that purports to do 192 kilohertz of sampling and will put out a MPX analog signal uh, from your PC-based uh, FM audio processor, but none of them are really that. Are, none of them are designed for that, except this one. The the MaxConnect Broadcast U.192 
MPX USB sound card. Yes, it's a mouthful. It has to be because it's built specifically for our industry. More radio stations now are turning to PC-based uh, um audio processors for their FM. And uh, the company I work for, Telus Alliance, we've got one called Omnia SST. We're coming out with another one called Forza that's going to have um, FM processing available in it. And uh, you, you want to come out of your USB connection to a sound card that will give you a proper, correct, I mean, 1,000% correct MPX output. So then you can feed your STL or you can feed your transmitter directly if you're right there with it. Uh, lots of benefits of doing this, benefits of doing it exactly right. And that's what the U.192 does. Uh, this is a heavy-duty box. It's well-built. The power supply is internal. Uh, it feels good. It acts perfectly well. You can go to the website, the maxconnect.com website, and check out the specs here, and you will not be disappointed. Uh, as it says right there on the website, of course, it works with Stereo Tool. Uh, it works with uh, Omni SST, and I'm absolutely assuming it's going to work with uh, the FM version of Forza that's coming out. And there's a, a, and uh, uh, Breakaway 1. I would imagine it works fine with, with Breakaway 1. I haven't personally tested it but uh, it should so check this thing out it's well built and it sounds fantastic the u.192 i'm so glad that josh bone had the idea to uh, build this thing and josh knew why don't i go to the company that's very best at building this kind of stuff with Im immaculate audio specs and that's angry audio and so that's how that happened check yeah chris See, it was funny. I was talking to Catfish about that, and very few times do I hear him say this, but he said, you know, I wish I would have come up with that. <laughs> I did the same thing. I said, you're reading my mind. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. Well, thanks a lot to Max Connect and Angry Audio for sponsoring this week in Radio Tech. All right, we got uh, about uh, a few minutes left here. We're going to jump into this idea of knowing your value, both financially and otherwise. Shane, you brought this topic up. I think you did. Uh, Chris and I can comment on it. But Shane, what do you mean about knowing your value? So I've noticed a lot of salary ranges that I see published out there for engineers seem to be on the low side. And I think that's probably because a lot of engineers don't necessarily value their work the way that they should. Um, and, uh, you know, we've kind of we've kind of dug ourselves into that corner there. Um, so, I mean, what... When I, I I don't know too. The last time I went to go, you know, look at contract engineering, um, those contract engineering rates have have uh, gone up, and the cost of doing business as a contract engineer has gone up too, between insurance and uh, licensing and all of that stuff. Uh, but yet I still see guys, you know, doing the equivalent of the radio, the old radio dollar a holler thing, and um, I don't think that really, you know, serves anybody really well ultimately. Um, so, I mean. Don't be afraid to ask for what you're actually what you actually feel like you're worth. Um, your your time your your time has worth, and especially if you're you know going to business for yourself and you've got all the expenses of doing that, that has you know that costs money and needs to be reflected accordingly. Um, and um, knowing your value just in general, uh, you know, to the station as an you know as an employee, um, you know, it's uh, it's important to to you know, to have that kind of self-esteem. And again, this goes back to the mental health thing and just and understanding that your time and your health, it has value. 
So. Chris, your thoughts uh, on this? And and as Shane mentioned, uh, sometimes people will post in one of the forums, um, Facebook typically. Hey, here's a uh, here's a broadcaster. Here's a university that's uh, advertising for a, a a broadcast engineer for their radio station, and the salary range is uh, maybe forty five to sixty five thousand dollars. And and uh, a lot of people in the forum are making fun of that, saying, "What what are they thinking, uh, offering this kind of a, of a salary range?" Uh, what what might your comment be on that topic, Chris? First of all, they they need to stop that because that's just crazy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, moving on from there, you know, there is also some realities. Um, you know, the radio business is not as profitable as it used to be. Now, <clears throat> that's to say. Uh, you know, as, as Shane says, these these jobs are out there and they are advertising those sorts of things. And, <clears throat> you know, there's a very good chance that you're not, you know, you're probably going to be overqualified for that or you're going to want more money. But, you know, I think that in, in a lot of those cases, you know, perhaps there is somebody who's a fit for that job. And if not, they're going to learn quickly that they need to fix that. I, I had a position once where, um, you know, the, the, the corporate people kept kind of shortchanging what they wanted to pay. And we went through several people before they realized that, yeah, we're getting what we pay for. But I, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of the, the people who grumble about that, um, haven't been in the business for a while and don't understand the reality. You know, you're not going to get a lot of these companies paying, you know, high five figures, uh, you know, for, for engineering anymore. Um, you know, and, and if they, you know, unless it gets to the point where they, you know, that's the only way they can fill the position. Now in my case, um, you know, when I sat down with Dave and, you know, it's a family owned group, although they, you know, they've got 20 stations now, 22, um, you know, I, I figured there was no way in heck he was going to meet what I wanted, but I knew what I wanted. And so I sat down and I said, here's, here's what I need. And uh, I said, you know, I know it's a, you know, it sounds like a pretty high number. And he looked at me and said, A, you're worth it. And B, we're still here. We haven't walked away. So, you know, I think that's the key is if you're worth the money, they'll pay it. But, you know, I think the other side of that is the more that we get together and grumble about, you know, when these things get posted, I think it's a bad reflection on us as well. Cause the reality is again, you know, there's going to be groups that aren't going to be able to afford anything more than that. And if there's somebody willing to take that job, then great. Mm -hmm. Shane. Totally agree. I know I've been, I've been on both sides of that coin and I've worked for very, very small community broadcasters. I've worked for very, very large nationwide networks and, and I've spanned the gamut, but uh, you know, you just have to kind of know what that value is, know what that number is and uh, you know, make sure that it's commensurate with what uh, you know, what the work is and what, you know, what you feel your own effort is your own time and, uh, and value as well. And that's it is, is, you know, I mean, nobody's forcing people to take these jobs for that kind of money. So if you're not interested or you don't think it pays well, move on. I mean, geez, uh, you know, my, the most rewarding job I've ever had was the one that paid the least when I was in, in public radio and I loved it and it was very fulfilling and, you know, I had to make some, some cuts to, to do it, but I'm sure glad I did. And, you know, it, it was the kind of job where with the money, not a lot of people would have taken it. Um, because they look at the dollar figure, but I looked at it as, you know, this is this would be a great experience. Short, uh, we, we have a short segment here, and I, I want Shane to, to wrap it up when I ask him a question. But I want to point out a couple of things a, a, along the lines of what Chris said that uh, 
a, a good part of what we see online, people arguing about that salary is too low. What, what are they thinking? You know, a, a part of our uh, our attitude might want to be not my circus, not my monkeys, you know, unless it is your circus and monkeys. Now, one thing that we do worry about is when companies, universities, for example, uh, offer a seemingly a low offer, a salary, for, salary offer for an, a job that we feel we might be qualified for. What does that do? What does that do to bring to bring the sea level down? to affect what other uh, companies might offer. Well, you know, uh, this university is offering, you know, $48,000 and no benefits. So uh, there, in as much as it might affect what other people think the salary range should be, yeah, there might be some effect there. The, well, the other, th- go ahead, Chris, go ahead. I was just jump in that, you know, that goes back to, you know, not want, not needing to fix the problem. If that's what they want to do and nobody applies, they're going to learn their lesson that it's broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, with with universities, you know, a lot of times it's out of their hands. I mean, they have a, yes. a, a yes. whole board that decides those things, <laughs> yes. but that's the other thing I've said is, Hey, if you don't like it, don't apply. And if for some reason this is stupid low, they're going to learn pretty quickly when they get no applications. Yeah. 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 Uh, we also know that from organizations like SBE, uh, SBE tries to show every year that if you're SBE certified, you, you know, people who are SBE certified tend to make more money. Is that because they're certified? Well, it's probably because they care about their career and they get certified as a result of that. But n- no matter, you can't dispute that SBE certification, SBE membership tends to result in uh, a, a jobs that give you a higher salary. I also noticed, I did, did some looking here, um, people who are in IT with an equivalent level of, of uh, responsibility tend to make more money. And so in fact, uh, may make a lot more money. And so that's why I've, maybe that's why I've seen people advertise or people put, make sure that their title is director of engineering and it. And, uh, uh, that might be, that's uh, one reason why engineers like you and me, and I know both of you guys are, are very well, uh, adept at it issues, but if you, you know, learn about it and you can handle those responsibilities as well and direct that even direct others, well, your chance of getting a higher salary, a much better income really increased by being able to offer that skill set as well. Absolutely. I just went back and finished my uh, my bachelor's degree and I'm working on my master's. And, I, and guess what? It is not in broadcast engineering. It's in IT. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I can, I can understand that. All right. Hey, uh, folks, we got one more quick break. And when we come back, um, we're, we're going to have a couple tips of the week, including this mystery UPS that, uh, that Chris Tarr likes. There may not be a perfect piece of equipment on the market, but Chris likes this one. And I'm sure we'll hear a piece of advice from uh, Shane Tovin as well. Our show, This Week in Radio Tech, is brought to you in part by Vox Pro. It's, the jocks love this thing, and it's available from Broadcasters General Store. Let's hear about it. Hey, what's happening? St. John here coming to you from Command Central and wanted to tell you about the absolute best partner you can have in radio. I'm talking about, boom, Wheatstone's Vox Pro. Now, a lot of folks have used... Uh, previous versions of Vox Pro, all awesome, but I want to tell you about some of my favorite new features in 7, and for folks who've never used Vox Pro before, I'm about to tell you why it's an absolute game changer and essential for really fast-paced multi-element radio. Lots of different audio software out there. Why Vox Pro? Because, uh, duh, it was designed for radio. It's the only software designed to do what we needed to do, which is record, edit, playback in real time. When I say lightning fast, I'm going to show you how fast you can edit stuff up in Vox Pro right now. 
literally three clicks on the controller. Mark left, mark right. Everything that gets marked, you hit delete, it goes away. It's literally that fast. So we're going to take this part right here. Boy, help. Nine. Boom. From caller nine to him saying, I'm ready. Five. I'm ready for that secret sound. Boom. All of that stuff, hit delete, it goes away. Here's your edit. You are tackling secret sound, caller nine. I'm ready, John. One of the best features of version 7, this is awesome, it's effects macros, and you can literally put a chain of effects together so that instead of uh, having to normalize a phone bit and then uh, use noise reduction on it and EQ it and all that, you can literally build a chain. One button, this button, this one's called call right here, I just click that, all of those processes happen instantaneously. Literally saves 80% of your editing and cleanup time. Final thing that I love about Vox Pro, and there's so much more to get into, but uh, one of my favorite things, you can load it on a laptop. I've literally done my show from a hotel room in Armenia to uh, the conference room at, yeah, this was fun, jury duty. Great thing, no one could tell the difference. Vox Pro makes it totally easy. I'm telling you, if you're looking for the best on-air partner, call my friends at Wheatstone, ask them about <laughs> Vox Pro, and you'll be glad you did. And to buy one, uh, contact Broadcaster General Store at bgs.cc or give them a call at 352-622-7700. Awesome people at Broadcaster's General Store. Sharp pencils, and they have uh, great insights as to your delivery and uh, your your delivery options and things like that. Love these folks at Broadcaster General Store. All right. Um, well, I, I, we had a quick, one more quick item that we got to talk about for just a minute. Some engineers, some engineers, I've done this. And I know some engineers that do this all the time. Some engineers would rather be right than be helpful. Quite a statement. What does that mean? Chris Tarr, I, th I think you really addressed this in our conversation yesterday. I did. Uh, you know, and you see this especially online a lot where people will ask a question or they'll offer a piece of advice. And instead of expounding on that or talking about it, they dig their heels in and say, no, this is the way it has to be, and and they're they're not real helpful about it. It's just no, I don't agree, and you're wrong, and you know how you know that's a crazy thing, um, you know, and, and you know it, it's sometimes it's better to be helpful than to be right and go. You know what, you know, I th I think there's something to what you're saying there. Now here's what I think, and you know I think you you know that that this might be a better option or you know whatever it is but you know it's so much easier to try and be helpful and say well you know how can I help you figure this out rather than you're wrong and I'm right and move on um or argue and say you know well um you know if you wouldn't have done this and done that and uh, you know I had a coworker like that who just reveled in the fact that I would make a mistake uh, and, you know, yeah, waiting for the time yeah. for me to make a mistake and be right there. And, you know, I always say, and again, we're very guilty of this online, is, you know, if you're not going to say anything nice, then don't say anything. You know, somebody will post something about, um, you know, or, uh, a picture of their, their site or, you know, something talk, talking about something you do. And immediately everybody jumps on this person to prove that they're right. You know, hey, look, I'm smarter than you. This is how you were wrong. And, you know, instead of just saying, hey, you know, that's awesome. You know, have you ever thought about getting, you know, these Velcro zip ties to clean things up or, you know, something like that? That's helpful instead of, oh, that wiring's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> yeah. what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Shane, do you have a thought on that? Uh, being yeah, uh, 
Go ahead. Yeah, there's, uh, there's an old proverb. It's, uh, you know, first seek to understand. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where I try to come from whenever I approach, uh, you know, whenever I approach people is, you know, you know, don't ever be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> you want to listen to what the other, where the other person is coming from. Try to understand what, you know, what the actual problem is, uh, rather than just jumping right down their throat and jumping, you know, trying to uh, trying to suggest things. You know, again, back to that, uh, do you want me to solve the problem or do you want me to listen uh, kind of thing. So, you know, it, so th- this difference becomes apparent when an engineer like like the three of us, and I would suggest that the three of us probably have really similar approaches to, to various problems. Yeah, we might take a little different tax or have different experiences for solving it. But if, if any of us talk to the imaging person, uh, the, 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 the midday jock, uh, maybe, you know, if you, you talk to somebody who's in the talent area exclusively and they're not into engineering, it's a very different conversation. It's a very different perspective on whatever is wrong. And uh, I have a morning man that I, that I talk with uh, fairly frequently. And I mean, the engineer in me just wants to say, no, shut up. I'll solve the problem. But you know, the, the human in me wants to, wants to say, listen to him. This is his perspective. And maybe, maybe I can learn something about what his problem is with, with what's going wrong. And and as we mentioned, as we mentioned yesterday, talking, when we were talking about all this, it's empowering to those people to treat them as equals and to explain what you're doing, even if they may have a different idea on it, you know, to explain what's going on and why you're doing what you're doing and why you think, why you think it's very empowering to them because, you know, they're intimidated by people, you know, everybody's intimidated by people who seem to know more than they do. So when you can kind of make that ground feel equal, you're going to get a lot more cooperation. Yeah. You kind of have to learn to be multilingual, so to speak, in terms of you have to <laughs> yes. speak engineer, you have yep. to speak human, you have to speak manager, you have to speak talent, uh, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, okay. Uh, drum roll. It's time for Chris to reveal his tip of the week. And it starts with the word Schneider. Chris? Yes. Well, Schneider, it's actually now APC. Uh, And, you know, everybody, uh, UPSs are like blondes and brunettes. Everybody has their preferences, ones they love, ones they hate, brands they love, brands they hate. This is just one that I've had one of these at one of my sites for years without a single issue. And it's been just really helpful because it emails you status. You can log into it remotely in a portal and see what's going on. Um, It's the APC 1500 Smart UPS with Smart Connect. And the model number is SMC 1500. And it's a rack mount UPS. Um, and again, what's great is you log into uh, this portal and you can actually trigger each outlet individually. You can reboot the entire thing. It tells you battery life. It tells you the status of when you need to change them. It keeps a log if any, you know, you have any issues. And again, it, it emails you when there's problems. So uh, I've never had the thing die. I've never had it you know, lock up or anything else. So it's just been really great. So we ended up, and this is what we're talking about where, you know, when he talked about buying cheap ones, he's like, no, let's just do this right. Um, You know, these are $694 on Amazon. Uh, We just bought 10 of them. So I, I now have a project to put in 10 of these in our sites. Can't hear you there, Kirk. Kirk, you're of muted. Of course, sorry. All right. Um, oh. It'd be great if, if they had one that was bigger than 1,500. I, I, I like one that's about 2,500 or 3,000 and, and rack metal, but I guess this smart this series doesn't I, I, have that. Yeah, I mean, I would bet they have a series that's higher power than that. I bet if you look. Hey, 
They do. Oh, yeah. they do. Here's a 1500 uh for $1183 with that smart connect. I wonder if the smart connect does it imply that you can remotely control the the power outlets is does that does that imply yes. that? Okay. Yeah, there's there, I, there's there is an additional plan you have to sign up for to do the the remote control outlets, but it's very affordable. I think I just paid 60 bucks for 3 years or something. Okay. I mean, it's a okay. subscription thing. Nice. Okay. All right, cool. We'll put that in the show notes. Thanks a lot. Uh, and we're out of time, but uh, Shane, do you have a tip of the week we might enjoy? I do. And in fact, you had it as number six on the list. And I would just say, you know, give grace to others. Ah, yes. <laughs> and that applies on so many levels. I mean, we're not all right. Nobody's always right. So give grace to others. We'll, we'll, we'll find something pithy and worthwhile to say about that. Thanks very much. Guys, we got to go. We have uh, overextended our welcome. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad we were all here. So thanks very much, Chris Tarr, our co-host, Shane Tobin. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, prompting this uh, conversation about things you don't learn in engineering school, but every one of us needs to know. Appreciate it. Thanks to uh, Suncast, uh, who produces every one of our shows this week in Radio Tech. And I I promise you, watch for some highlight clips coming up uh, soon uh, to be shown on our YouTube page. We'll try to share them out on uh, on Facebook as, as well. But we will have some highlight clips for you just to make it easier for you to, you know, go review something that you saw that was really good. We got to run. We'll see you next week on This Week in Radio Tech. Bye-bye. be great if, if they had one that was bigger than 1500 I, I i like one that's about 2500 or 3000 and, and rack mountable but i guess this smart this series doesn't I, I, have that yeah i mean i would bet they have a series that's higher power than that i bet if you look they do oh yeah. they do here's a 1500 uh for 1183 dollars with that smart connect i wonder if the smart connect does it imply that you can remotely control the the power outlets is does that does that imply yes. that Okay. Yeah, there's there, I, there's there is an additional plan you have to sign up for to do the the remote control outlets, but it's very affordable. I think I just paid sixty bucks for three years or something. Okay. I mean, it's a okay. subscription thing. Nice. Okay. All right. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes. Thanks a lot. Uh, and we're out of time. But uh, Shane, do you have a tip of the week we might enjoy? I do. And in fact, you had it as number six on the list. And I would just say, you know, give grace to others. Ah, yes. <laughs> and that applies on so many levels. I mean, we're not all right. Nobody's always right. So give grace to others. We'll, we'll, we'll find something pithy and worthwhile to say about that. Thanks very much. Guys, we got to go. We have uh, overextended our welcome. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we were all here. So thanks very much, Chris Tarr, our co-host. Shane Tobin, thank you very much for joining us and uh, prompting this uh, conversation about things you don't learn in engineering school, but every one of us needs to know. Appreciate it. Thanks to uh, Suncast, uh, who produces every one of our shows this week in Radio Tech. And I I promise you, watch for some highlight clips coming up uh, soon uh, to be shown on our YouTube page. We'll try to share them out on uh, on Facebook as as well. But we will have some highlight clips for you just to make it easier for you to, you know, go review something that you saw that was really good. We got to run. We'll see you next week on This Week in Radio Tech. Bye-bye.